Embody respectfully acknowledges the traditional owners of the lands and waters of Australia and pays respects to elders past and present. Welcome to Mission Unplugged, genuine conversations about Christian faith in action with young innovators locally, nationally and globally. I'm Emily. And I'm Mitch. G'day and welcome to this month's episode of Mission Unplugged. In this episode, we have Emily sitting down with Ben Hura from Young Life Australia. Ben is the Development Manager for Sydney and the East Coast of Australia with Young Life Australia. Young Life exists to introduce young people to Jesus and help them grow in their faith. Ben is husband to Taryn and daddy to Zoe. He is excited about reframing the mission of God in the local context and empowering others to see what God is at work in their own backyard. I love this sitting down with this conversation with Ben. I thoroughly enjoyed hearing his reframing of discipleship and looking at some different ideas around that about like the discipleship tree and leadership tree, the idea that, you know, even as you start discipling someone, asking them who's feeding into you and then who are you feeding into and then that being a tool and resource that we can all use in our discipleship journey and thinking about, you know, who's gone before us and who's discipling us and then who are we discipling and who are they discipling along after that. It's um, one of my, that was one of my favourite parts of the conversation. Yeah, I loved hearing Ben talk about the pace of ministry and the pace of mission. I think it's really important uh, to sort of recognise that these things take time and we might want them to go really quickly and we might want them to go gangbusters all of a sudden, but it's kind of not how life works. It's kind of not how these things happen. And being committed to the long haul and being committed to slowing down and just letting God work at God's pace, I think was really challenging and also really comforting. So before we dive into this conversation, just want to let everyone know that we are now heading full ball into Safe Water September. So you can sign up now to have a life-changing impact for people overseas through Safe Water. If you sign up now um, and receive a $50 early donation, you will receive a Frank Green Safe Water September drink bottle, which is amazing. Uh, And that's open till the end of July. And if you sign up as a team and in a team uh, until the end of July, you also get the opportunity to purchase awesome Safe Water September beanies. So uh, get amongst that, sign up by yourself, sign up in a team and join the Safe Water September Challenge for 2022. You can find all the details at safewatersepember.org.au. All right, let's throw to this interview with Ben Hura. Mission mission can sometimes just be spoken about in in a far off way. And that is mission. Mission can be overseas. Mission can be a short-term trip you're doing, or a contribution you're making to um, uh, a certain cause somewhere throughout the world. Or it is also your backyard. And in many ways, that's what Young Life does. It does mission in our backyard. You know, I'm a, I'm a clubbing <laughs> professional now, being in Africa, it's like, they just dance yeah, the, yeah. the whole time, so 
If you don't get good at clapping in Africa, you'll never get good at clapping. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, I'm sure. All right. Hi, Ben, and thanks so much for joining us on uh, Mission Unplugged today. Um, Tell us a bit about yourself and, yeah, where you're from, what you do, who you are. Yeah, sure, Emily. Thank you so much for having me, first off. Uh, I'm really excited to be with you today and just to to share a little bit of my story. Um, Stories are what make us, right? And so sharing them, it's it's a powerful part. Um, I currently sit in in the role of Sydney Development Manager for an organisation called Young Life. Um, And that also means that I, I oversee Young Life development across Sydney, but throughout probably most of the east coast of New South Wales and Queensland as well. Um, Young Life is a, is a not-for-profit Christian org. It's been around for 80 years globally. We, we're in 170 countries, but what we really do, we exist solely to introduce young people to Jesus Christ and to help them grow in their faith. Um, so that, that could be predominantly it's kids who are, pre-Christians or non-Christians. I like to call them pre-Christians with the hope that they may one day become a Christian. Um, so it's predominantly kids who are not from a church background, who are outside the church, uh, which we know is a big, big chunk of young people from sort of 12 through to 24 who are outside the church. So we've got a big, big target range there. Like I said, we've been doing it 80 years uh, globally. We're, we've on average, we connect with about 2 million kids a year internationally and introduce them to Jesus for the first time. Um, and in Australia, we're, we're a bit smaller. It's been a tough slogan, in, but given the, the post-Christian nature of the country, but we're, we're really excited about just being a grassroots volunteer-driven movement in this country and raising up disciples who can make disciples who can make disciples. Disciples who multiply. I think that's that's the goal. So that's a little bit about what I do. Um, I, I grew up in a, a non-church context as well. My family never went to church. We weren't Christians. And so that's sort of where my passion for young people outside the church comes from as well. I didn't encounter Jesus until I was 18, 19 years of age when my girlfriend at the time was going along to Hillsong and, and challenged me <laughs> to, to come along to Hillsong with her. And yeah, right. and yeah, she, she really dropped the ultimatum at that point. It was like, Hey, either you come along to church with me or we're over. And I, I was, I was head over heels in love with this girl. And so I was like, Oh damn, I got to go to church with this. I, I can't <laughs> have this over yet. So that, that was my first <laughs> real introduction to Jesus. To be fair, she had uh, told me a lot about Jesus before inviting me to church. She was an incredible evangelist. And, and eventually I got married to her, uh, and her name's Taryn. We've been married 12 years this year. We have a beautiful daughter named Zoe, who's three this year as well. And, yeah, I, I mean, that was probably my first step towards becoming a Christian. Wow, that's so cool. Um... I love I love that Taryn gave you an ultimatum that if you don't come to church, this is over. <laughs> that's the classic. But so good. I know. And look where I it's know. landed you. Like that's, great that's right. And and for many years I was 
was leading young adults and youth ministries yeah. and, and trying to say to people, oh, don't don't date to save, don't flirt to convert. But some, <laughs> sometimes it works too, you know, like so uh, if I wouldn't be there without it, but, you know, God uses yeah, all totally. situations, right? But I definitely yeah. wouldn't condone it. It's not, <laughs> not, no. Um, yeah, from, from there, uh, I grew up in a, given a non-Christian home, I, I was, I was a young man who moved from New Zealand as well. So I, I moved here when I was about 10. Um, and you know, that critical middle school age where you're coming towards the end of primary school, forming some of those lifelong friendships, uh, well, I just got picked up and plunked in Australia. And as soon as I got here, I was pretty, well, I, I was bullied a lot for my accent. Um, you know, what do you mean, Bruce? yeah, exactly. Everyone's <laughs> Sorry. Deep. No one knows these days <laughs> that I'm an, a, a Kiwi because I, I so quickly destroyed my accent, right? Like. I used to say, people go, what's your name? And I say, I'm Ben. And they go, like, like a rubbish bin. And I'm like, no, Ben, Ben. And, and so I got, I got called Ben for years, meaning the rubbish bin. Uh, but I dropped, it, I dropped it pretty quickly. But it meant that coming to Australia meant that my, my grades dropped. I, I became a bit of a class clown. I was, I was given into peer pressure often um, and to the point where, by 18, 19, I was drinking every day, pretty much. Uh, I was trying to impress my friends through the amount of alcohol I could um, consume or, or the amount of crazy things I could do. And I just never found satisfaction there, right? But that's when I met Taryn, and that's when she started telling me about Jesus. And <clears throat> I, I didn't give up drinking straight away uh, by going to church. Like it doesn't solve everything, but I had one night with a, a miraculous encounter where God showed me his grace and love in the midst of my drunkenness and sinfulness um, to the point where it was undeniably the love of God, you know, where I felt at my weakest, far furthest away from who God is and, and what he expected of me. He, he, he generously offered his love towards me, and it was in that moment that I, I sort of realized, hey, I want to give my whole life to this, my whole life to you, Jesus. And being being young and dumb, I, I did the ultimatum because the ultimatum worked with Taryn. So I said, you know, if yeah, you yeah. Do so of course, it's going to work with God, right? Exactly. So <laughs> I said, God, if you do this one thing for me, I'll give you my whole life. Um, and the thing was, like, I, I'd cut open my hand on a drunk night out and destroyed any use of using my hand. Um, and I was in Westmead Hospital in here in Sydney, emergency ward. I said, Lord, if you heal my hand, I'll give you my whole life. Um, and nothing happened. And nothing happened to me. <laughs> uh, but, but by the time the m- morning came, the surgeon walked in and, and the surgeon said to me, he's looking at the scans, looked at the hand. And he's just confused. He's got a perplexed look on his face. And he says these words, and I never forget them. He says, this is a miracle. You've cut right across tendons, lig- ligaments, uh, and you're going to get your full movement, full strength back within six weeks. I don't, I don't, there's no damage there. <laughs> and and, and I, was, I was blown away. Like, I was drunk that night. I was as far from God's kingdom as I possibly could be. 
but he he poured out his grace on me in a way that that showed me that God, God loves people right where they're at. He, he loves them right where they're at, right in the midst of this influence. And we we can't we're not called to control someone's lifestyle. We're called to love people right where they're at, and and, and so that's that changed me. I like I I kicked being an alcoholic that night. I, I changed for good, so I dropped drinking. Um, I can now enjoy a drink on my own. Like not be um, go down that path of addiction, which I think is another testimony to God's goodness. Um, but yeah, He healed my hand immediately. In my in my immaturity, I I thought, damn, I had one chance to trade my whole life, and I didn't trade it for a Lamborghini. What did I do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. But um, but you know what? It's been so much better to give my whole life to Jesus because this is the way. Um, from there, I sort of just discovered this passion to give back to young people who were like me, who, um, who may have never heard about Jesus growing up, but I thought I could help them make less mistakes along the way. I probably haven't, but I've still shown them keep planted seeds in that, that lifestyle, uh, seeds in their life, seeds in a field that are growing up. And I went on to study, became a, a pastor for a while. Uh, did a bachelor of ministry at Moreland College, and then I found myself in Young Life, uh, where where the values and and mission of Young Life just resonated so deeply with my own values and mission that I was like, if I was to start something, it would probably be Young Life. Um, so that's that's sort of the that's story. So cool. That's that's the summary, I guess. Yeah, that's so cool. So. Like we talk about mission a lot here at Embody and on Mission Unplugged and different other things we do. So what is mission? How do you define mission? Yeah, let's start there. Yeah, awesome. Mission for me is helping people encounter Jesus wherever you're at. Introducing people to Jesus is all that mission is about. Um, it is A part of it is fulfilling the Great Commission, sure and making disciples and helping them to obey everything Jesus has commanded of us. Um, but for us, it, it looks like loving people right where they are at, going into their world, uh, into their schools, their workplaces, their neighborhood, uh, their skate park, their soccer field, even when it, it sort of seems like that gray, murky area of how do you risk assess this? It's like, well, that's, that's, you can't really risk assess the mission of God, I don't think. And so wherever God's calling you to be, that's, that's where we're called to inhabit. Um, I love John 1.14 in the message where it says that the word, um, let me bring it up. It says the word became flesh and blood and he moved into the neighborhood. Um, in many ways, that's what mission is about. Someone who's, who's willing to, show up in the neighborhood someone who's willing to be there because mission mission can sometimes just be spoken about in a in a far off way like and that is mission mission can be overseas mission can be a short-term trip that you're doing or a contribution you're making to um a, a, a certain cause somewhere throughout the world or it is also your backyard 
And in many ways, that's what Young Life does. It does mission in our backyard. It, it owns the local neighborhood and, and empowers local churches, volunteers to be missional leaders in their own neighborhood. We look for the, the mission of God opportunities wherever they're at. Um, for us, it means treating people with respect too and not just expecting that we are at the center of society anymore as, as the Christian populace. We sort of, as Young Life, we, we treat mission as a process of earning the right to be heard or winning the right to be heard, um, which really looks like building a great relationship with people, not rushing the Jesus conversation, but listening to them, dialoguing with them, loving them, you know, having a, a certain level of shared experience with people. Um, it might just look like knowing your people. You know, one of our major measurements for Young Life is just how many young people do you know by name in your community? Because to know someone by name is, it, it means more than a name. Usually it means a conversation. Normally it means you, you've, you've learned a bit about them. You know where they inhabit or what, what suburb they live in. You know what their passions are or their hobbies are. Um, it's those things that help a name stick. Uh, you, you, sure, you could just write down hundreds of names, but that's, that's not the point for us. We really want to know people in relationship and in that context, um, let the mission of God unfold through what the Holy Spirit might be doing in their heart and in ours as we share Jesus. Um, yeah, so that's sort of what mission looks like on a, I guess, a thought level for us, a theoretical level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how does that kind of then then play out in different, I guess, activities or um, engagement pieces that you guys do? How does that look? Like what does mission look like practically um, for Young Life? Yeah, practically it looks like a grassroots movement of volunteers going after the kingdom of God everywhere. Like my dream is to see Young Life leaders throughout Australia in every community owning their block, you know, owning their street, being the missionary for their street, you know, or having a group of missionaries per street going, hey, we're, we're after my neighbours here. I'm after the kids who are always at the basketball court. Um, here in Sydney, so given I'm, I'm developing Sydney, where we have three or four, three and a half areas of focus at the moment, we're, we're building a community in southwest Sydney. At the moment, we recognize the need in Southwest Sydney with uh, a huge proportion of the future population moving into Southwest Sydney. Um, and so we, we do really want to increase our presence there and serve the local community there in a way that introduces them to Jesus. Um, and that means starting now before the curve. Um, I, when I was first hired with Young Life, I was hired to develop the Parramatta area of Sydney. and so. I've spent three years building relationships there with kids, one-on-one, -on -one, young people, teenagers, university students. Um, and we got to the point where we knew enough students to start some programs. So one of our um, sort of <clears throat> catchphrases around our event is don't start an event until you know too many people to hang out with one-on-one -on -one. still. So, you know, like we, we journey with people one-on-one -on -one and build the relationship 
and then we might have an event. But even then, that's not the main piece of what we're doing in mission. The main piece of mission that we've only really picked up in the last few years from our global um, counterparts in Young Life is to, to focus on the few in order to reach the many. So practically, it looks like uh, limiting each staff and volunteers' capacity to just disciple a few along the way. So to focus on three to four people uh, and to actually name those people, to have a high level of intentionality around discipling those people towards faith and then continuing to disciple them in faith. Um, and so we we use this tool that we, we've called a discipleship tree, um, which has come out of Africa. Um, Africans have these incredible mango trees and, and we may have mango trees here in Australia, but I haven't seen any in Sydney. But in Africa, <laughs> I get to experience these, these huge mango trees that were planted by missionaries 150 years ago. And the, the Africans have taken it as a metaphor for fruitfulness. Um, it's a slow growing tree. So you plant it, it may not produce fruit for the first two to three, even five years. But as it grows and grows and grows, um, it will continue to produce exponentially more fruit throughout its lifetime, given the longer that it lasts, the longer that it grows down. And so these, these pictures of leadership trees that we have um, have a core or a trunk of the, the tree and a root section and branches sections. So on the trunk, we would put each of our leaders' names. So I would put my name on my own tree, Ben. Um, and then in the root section, you'd write between two and five mentors that you have, who is in your life discipling you. Ultimately, all ministry and mission is overflow. So if no one's leading you, you, you probably can't lead people. If no one's discipling you, you probably can't be, be making disciples. Uh, it's all about input and output, overflow. So who, who is in your root section? That would be a challenge point for me. It's a constant question. Who is mentoring you? And then the branches off of each trunk, we, we draw three to four branches and put a name specifically on each of them uh, and have <laughs> intentionality around it. So prayerfully considering who am I going to disciple? Who are the three or four I'm going to disciple? Rather than going, I can disciple 10 or 20 or 30 and actually not do any of it. So who are the three people, God, that you want me to focus on here? And as soon as you put someone's name there, uh, so one of the guys on my tree is called Christopher. So once I put Christopher's name there, I, I taught Christopher how to do, to draw his own leadership tree and to think about the three people who might be on his branch. And so my tree doesn't just have a first tier of branches. It actually has branches coming off of each branch. Does that make sense? In yeah, that, that is so good. That Christopher's branch will then have three more branches coming off it with names that I'm not supposed to fill out, but Christopher, he's supposed to own them. So as soon as he owns them and chooses three people, so this tree starts to fill out and it actually has three tiers of branches so you can see what multiplication looks like. Because this is... That is such a good visual imagery of multiplication and of like 
encouraging people to be not only discipled but disciplers to from the get go too, and just yeah, having your own support networks in place and going who are you then supporting and yeah, that is amazing. I really like that. That's a really good. Absolutely, um, and and I'll be happy to share image. a PDF with with you guys if you want to share it with anyone. But it, my what I like most about it is the level of intentionality that it brings. As soon as you you know the process that this is always to be passed on. It's a catchy faith, but it's also meant to be passed on. It's like a rugby ball. You catch pass, catch and pass. Who are you passing on to? You know, who is connected? Who are you leading? And often the three to four people on your tree might might be people who are replacing you. So in Africa, they, they actually have two trees. They have a leadership tree. Who are the three people who could replace you is on that tree. And then the discipleship tree is who are, who are the three pre-Christians in your world that God's calling you to disciple. Um, and the, the pre-Christians get the same tool. They go, who are the three people in your world? Who, who are your friends in your community that, that God may be wanting to, to share Jesus with? And I guess it, 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 it's like pouring petrol on it when we use a, a tool called DB, DBM, uh, Discovery Bible Method or Study. Because DBM, one of the key parts of DBM is who are you going to tell about this? Who, who, who are you going to tell about this Bible study that we just opened up? Um, and those three people pass it on to their three people. And typically, they already know who they're going to tell about it. Um, For those who don't know DBM, Ben, can you give us a bit of a, like a, a rundown of how DBM works or what it is exactly? Mm, absolutely. So. DBM uh, stands for Discovery Bible Method. Um, I first heard about it through Crossway Baptists and building a discipleship culture sort of approach, um, which you can look up on Google, I'm sure. But DBM is a it's a method of reading the Bible in which you you first ask um, and follow up from the week before. So you ask, hey, did you tell who you were going to tell? Did you do what you were going to? You said you were going to going to do um then you look at the bible you read a passage of scripture it might be just a short paragraph it might be two two passages it might be one verse like uh, it, it's up to you but you read it as a group you read it aloud twice uh in my experience and then sometimes you will even try and recount it in your own words and sort of say hey what what's going on here what's what's actually happening in the bible verse that we just read um and everything is in that passage so you have to emphasize that you if you're doing it with christians you don't want to hear about what you talked about last week or or you you don't want to hear about what they heard in their sermon a month ago or through a podcast you want to hear what is the holy spirit doing in this text here if you're leading the group as a christian you might you would definitely pray under your breath or maybe openly if you're doing it with christians um I often do it with pre-Christian kids. So I pray under my breath for the Holy Spirit to come and open the word of God to us. And <laughs> then following the readings and the, the, the rehash of scripture or the, the paraphrasing of scripture, you um, ask four questions, I think. So you ask, what, what's this passage say about God? Um, or what, what do you see this passage is saying about God? So it's a personal answer. It's people's personal truth and, and there's no wrong answers. 
uh, what, what's this passage saying about you or humanity? Um, what's challenging you in this passage? And, and what's it making you want to do? Um, so how are you going to respond to this? And final, the final question is, who are you going to tell about this? And so you know, people commit to that in the final step, what they want to do and who they want to tell. And it's that real commitment piece that is a high level of accountability. So you, you tie accountability into intentionality in the leadership tree. And I see a way, like, I, I see the perfect altar for God to move upon, to be honest. Uh, I see a way that God can move in mission in Australia that's grassroots, that is, <laughs> that is slow, but it is sustainable. Um, and it's only slow for <laughs> for the first five to ten years. Like people start doing this around the country, and we have the capacity for exponential growth in Africa. <laughs> uh, I often asked um, on my recent trip to Tanzania some of the young life leaders there, "How did you guys grow so fast?" And they said, "We didn't grow fast." They said, "The slow way is the fast way. Going slow is the fast way. Um, go slow." And you'll get there. You try and go fast, and you'll you produce a little fruit. They actually they compare that the fast way to a tomato bush. So I don't know if anyone out there is a gardener um, who's grown a tomato bush before, but a tomato bush will produce a lot of fruit really quickly, and it'll look really good. But it only lasts about three to six months, and then it shrivels up and dies. Uh, we don't want to be tomato bushes. We want to be mango trees that last for generations and have legacy that goes on and on and on, uh, impact that goes on and on and on. So, yeah, that's that's DBS, uh, DBM. And that's so cool. Yeah, uh, it, it really excites yeah. me. And it's such a simple method as well, isn't it? Like, because I've used it a little bit as well. Um, it's such a simple way of just literally all you need is a Bible. And just someone who is curious and open and willing to opening the Bible with you as an individual. That's all you need. Um, doesn't require to be have any level of theological training or anything like that. Just a willingness to open the Bible with someone and to let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. It's all, again, it can just start from a question. A simple question to a friend of yours, you know, wherever you are, like prayerfully considering the people in your world and going, who who are the people around me who who like me, who are willing to listen to me, um, who actively hang out with me and love me and serve me? Like, who are those people in my world that God might be thinking that this would be a good idea for? And asking them, you know, hey, I'm looking for someone to read the Bible with. Would you be interested in that? Like it's a very non-offensive question. Um, yeah, because it's easy as yes or no. And you go, cool. Yeah, and no's doesn't, like if someone says no, it's not the end of a friendship. And if it is, no. then were they really your friend? Like, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It's, totally, yeah. What I, what I really love about DBS, just before I go on, is is that when you're using it with pre-Christians, um, it really is the same tool that they can begin to use with their friends. Like you said, it's simple and accessible. All you need is a Bible. 
And so what we're talking about is the rapid mobilizations of new Christians where we're not, we're not holding people back for a, for a 10 step course or something that they need to do before they can disciple their friends. Uh, DBM is, is the tool for, that they will use to grow in their faith as they start to read through the Bible and understand it, see what it says about God, see what it's challenging them on and, and committing to doing those things. Like that is, I can't think of a better tool for discipleship. And so, yeah, it, it's super accessible in each of our worlds. Um, you don't need a degree to do it. You don't need even a Bible. You can literally do it on your Bible app on your phone. Mm. Uh, it's that simple. Mm. Yeah. You don't even need to be able to read because you can listen to your Bible on your phone. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like it's so accessible. Very, very accessible. So, Ben, you've been mentioning a bit about Africa. You've just two weeks ago got back from a trip with Young Life um, over in Tanzania as, you know, part of your the global work of Young Life. So, yeah, can you share a bit about that experience and what that was like and, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was so privileged to travel again. <laughs> it felt really good. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it felt really good to go on a plane. But, um, yeah, I was really privileged to go to Africa uh, and visit Young Life and what they're doing there. They're, they are my brothers and sisters in the same mission, really. Like, they are just seeing, um, going into the kids' worlds, young people's worlds in Africa, from cities to to the to safaris really they they are all over africa in countries where there's war torn or they might be more developed um, from south africa through the congo they are doing this and what's beautiful about africa for me was that i got to have a look into the future of what going slow could mean really um in developing leaders and uh, discipling young people towards faith is that if we were to start slow now in Australia, where we're we're much smaller than Africa, we we probably have uh, ten to twenty staff part time. Some of them are part time, some of them are full time. In Africa, they there was eighty people at this conference, and they were just the senior level of directors. They weren't even people who have the same job role as me as an area developer or an area director, they were actually the tier above me. So they had hundreds of other staff who weren't even in attendance. Um, and what was challenging is that they can trace them, their leadership team, their staff people, their volunteers, all the way back to the first leadership tree that they did <laughs> in Africa. Wow. So wow. They they look back and most of them can see where they connect to the to one or two people in Africa of guys who who poured in the the correct input into three people and those three people had the, enough input to pass on to the next person. I've been thinking about it in terms of like like imagine you had a jug of water, right? And you tried to pour it out over twenty glasses. You'd probably each glass would get a quarter full, right? It wouldn't do what it's supposed to. But if you just poured that one jug into three glasses or four glasses, you'd end up with three full glasses that are achieving the purpose. We, we, can, we can only give out so much. 
And if we try and do too much, then we actually end up doing nothing at all and we complicate it. Uh, so if we, um, yeah, so with Africa, they're, they're now at a point where they have 14,500 um, volunteer leaders who are doing this with young people. Each of them are probably, each of those leaders probably has three young people on their tree minimum. And each of them probably also have three people on a leadership tree trying to replace themselves. So just in terms of volunteer leaders in the next year, they have the potential to have 45,000 volunteer leaders going after young people across Africa. And if, if those 45,000 people were to get three people each within a year, they're looking at 130,000 volunteers within the next three years. And like growth rates don't always work out perfectly or multiplication doesn't work out perfectly, but from what I witnessed, they are going after it with <laughs> excitement and with so much energy that they, they will most likely reach that. But it's, it really comes back to the intentionality and mission and not trying to do too much. Like not trying to do hundred person events where you're, you're the one lead person up the front and everyone's looking at you it's it's really just trying to do empower the few to reach the many yeah, and to start with the first 10 15 years or five ten years might be slow right it might be look like not much is going on but as soon as that multiplication starts to hit it there is potential for so much impact if we can just trust that this is a way that Jesus would work, that we are not, we are not smarter than Africa or, or we're not smarter than Jesus himself, right? Sometimes mm. we try to I mean, shocking, things. right? Surely not. You know, we, we look at Jesus, Jesus and <laughs> Jesus, Jesus had his three. His, Jesus had his 12. He had his 72. But, but at the bottom of that is the three people that he was pouring into. Well, why do we think we, we can do the things Jesus did without doing them in the ways Jesus did. Like that is, yeah. Uh, I I know what it is because I've fallen into the pride trap myself. The more complicated I can make something, the more important I feel. <laughs> if if it's complicated, then someone else can't do it. It really justifies my job <laughs> as a missionary. But my 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 job isn't to make things complicated. It's actually to make things as simple as possible so that it's accessible for everyone because the mission of God really works when it's not one person, it's not a professional doing it. The mission of God works when it's people of God mobilized everywhere um, to do the work. So how have you had to shift how you work or how you, not maybe just how you think, but how you actually do things to really lead into the simplicity into the um yeah the organic nature of i guess this lifestyle absolutely um a oh, couple of sh simple shifts that i think of straight off the top of my head is i have to release control um because it's it's not my kingdom that I'm building. This is Jesus' kingdom, and he has promised that he will build it. Um, 
And so I, I can't fill out someone else's leadership tree for them or their discipleship tree. I can't put three people on in my volunteers tree just because he's a key volunteer. He has to do it himself. It, it, it's, re- it's a release of control in that and more ownership to volunteer-led movements. Um, it's also trusting God for new things, you know, like doing Discovery Bible Method with young kids is, is terrifying. You never know what they're going to say. <laughs> yeah. All well, the questions they're going to ask, right? <laughs> the questions they're going to ask, exactly. And so what that meant we, with our regular gathering, it's been a bit down since COVID. We, we used to have 30 or 50 kids. We, now we got like three to five post-COVID. And so we're just rebuilding that. But instead of trying to build it back to something, last week we, we thought, Let's just do DBM with these kids instead of trying to do a talk to to five kids. Let's just sit down and open the Bible and, and see what God's saying here. And it was it was terrifying to do, uh, but it was incredibly fruitful because these young pre-Christian kids started to come out with answers that I hadn't even seen in the text. Um, we ended up going through John 15, like the first half of John 15, about abiding in the vine, bearing fruit, um, command, love one another. And one of these kids who isn't a Christian, after we'd read it, he said, well, and we asked the question, what do you think it says about God? And he he could see that from the text or he heard in the text that, that Jesus is now calling him a friend. And, and that he has the chance to be a friend of God, <laughs> which which just blew my mind because I would never have picked up on that or, or or made it the point of my talk. But the Holy Spirit was at work in this young kid's life, <laughs> and he was challenged to be a friend of God. Um, and he's his background's a Hindu background; he would never ever approach God that way, but because he, he, he read it or he heard it and he owned that point for himself, he is now <laughs> one step closer to the kingdom of God in my mind. Um, and beyond that, <laughs> what, what really blew me away, he committed to do some stuff, but then he, like when we got to the question around who, who you want to tell about this, he instantly piped up and said, I want to tell my mom and dad. I was like, whoa. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm a bit scared where this might go, but who who knows? You know, I this kid is becoming an evangelist before he's even a Christian. So he is he's starting to share good things about God and good things about Jesus with his non-Christian friends before, um, yeah, he's ever made an official first-time commitment sort of thing. Um, or he's put up his hand in a service. Like he is, he's being rapidly mobilized for the mission of God, taking it into his own world where he's already earned the right with his friends and his family. Um, which again, it's just, for me, it's releasing of control. It's the trust, trust of God that he's at work. Um, and just seeing the, yeah, the Holy Spirit move in the midst of it. Um, yeah, so those are the two things that yeah. come straight to mind. That's so cool. So with all of this in mind, 
what advice would you give to young Christians who are kind of, you know, on fire for God, passionate about mission, but not really sure what that looks like or what that can look like? What would you say to them? Mm. Uh, one thing I love to do is is to ask God where he's at work already in the neighborhood. Um, Holy Spirit is everywhere in your neighborhood. He already inhabits the whole place. He's already at work in your friendship groups. Um, just ask him to show you where he is, where he's showing up already, and, and begin to partner with him in his work. Well, we're not building his work. We're not showing up before God. God is already at work in the world. He is already at work in the hearts of your friends, whether you have said something or not. The questions are already brewing there about the <laughs> the questions of faith that they may have for you. Um, ask him where he's at work. And then there will come a time where you have to risk it, risk it all. But it's okay. It's totally worth the risk. Definitely, because it's the hardest bit is always that time before you ask the question or you do the thing. Because afterwards, you know, you see the result and you either go, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be and that turned out pretty great. Or Mm -hmm. "Eh, that didn't go great. I'll probably do it differently next time. But, yeah, I guess it's like don't be discouraged in that either, hey. Yeah. And and I would also just encourage people to not be addicted to success in it either. Like don't be addicted to faster, better performance in evangelism. It it just doesn't work in mission. Uh, it really is about the slow way. It really is about taking the time to know the, the people in your world, to, to love the people in your world, to care for them, celebrate them, show them generosity, show them hospitality. And more than likely, if you are you're doing those things, you're, you're sort of eating with them often, you're, you're telling, showing up in their life when they need people, there, there's a good chance that they will have questions for you already. Um, like they will ask you about the hope that you have, Peter says, in I think it's First Peter 3. Um, and that will happen. Just be patient for it uh, and be just, yeah, be patient for it. And then do the slow work of trusting God in it because he's got a much better plan for their life than you do. Yeah, totally. I love all that garden imagery and garden imagery that you're using in your leadership development and your discipleship development and all of that because there's so much good stuff in that Um, because, you know, one of my favourite parables is the parable of the sower and, you know, the seed falling in different grounds and when it grows up and, you know, whether it, dies immediately or different things like that but I've always found that one so challenging because you're always somewhere along that spectrum um but then so is everyone else so sometimes it's just you're taking that opportunity where you see that rich good soil to plant a seed that might just be so ready for germination um to be yeah to meet Jesus and yeah, meet him where he's at and he'll meet us where we're at too. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And good soil is, is is so hard to find. But if 
I actually find when you do the patient work, you're more likely to find it. You're willing to be slow, not rush along. You're probably more likely to find some good soil. Or you might turn it from, like you said, it's on a spectrum. You might turn it from being rocky soil into good soil. So that's that that can be the work of the Holy Spirit through you, earning the right, building relationship, loving them where they're at. Uh, yeah. So, Ben, we're going to probably finish up about there today. So um, where can people find you or find Young Life if they want to learn more about what it is you guys do? Yeah, and absolutely. Um, you can always check out our website, younglife.org.au, and find us there. But most likely people will find us on Instagram really well. You can find me at Ben Hura. Dot YL, so B E N H U R A dot Y L. Or you, you could find us, um, probably our newest and most exciting area is Young Life MQ, where we're doing work with uh, Macquarie Uni students. So go, go give them a follow at Young Life MQ. That's awesome. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much today, Ben. Uh, no, thank you. Yeah. I really yeah, it's been it. great chatting and just hearing more about, you know, the work of Young Life and, yeah, your journey and your experience as well. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thanks heaps to Ben for joining us on Mission Unplugged. You can find Ben on Instagram at benhura.com dot yl and connect with young life at young life oz or young life mq so that's from macquarie university if you're in new south wales or sydney and keen connect connect there or studying or know someone who's studying at macquarie this year or next year you can find their website at www.younglife.org.au and just a reminder that we are heading towards safe water september and you're invited to have a life-changing impact through safe water so head to safewatersepember.org.au to sign up and take the challenge by yourself or even better with a team, snag some great merch and most importantly, have a life-changing impact. Thanks for listening to Mission Unplugged, a podcast by Embody. If you enjoyed this conversation, please rate and review us so more people can find us and make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Join in the conversation right now in our Discord server at embody.org.au slash discord. Embody is a national community of young people passionate about mission locally, nationally, and globally. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at EmbodyAU. And you can visit our website at embody.org.au. All the links are in the show notes. Embody is part of the Global Mission Partners family. We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands and waters of Australia and pay respects to elders past and present. We recognise their continuing connections to land, water, and culture. Music in the show is by Josh Woodward. We'll catch you next time and thanks for listening to Mission Unplugged.